correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. What is up, folks? Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. Today, I'm here with my friend Steve, and we are going to talk about... Well, first, we're going to talk about the Genesis Archives. Oh, the Genesis Archives. Yeah, that's a cool podcast. It really is, man. Yeah, it's a um, it's a custom urban fantasy setting. Uh, we actually got a chance to talk to Jonathan, their GM. Oh, geez, it's been quite a while now. But uh, what he did with the setting was was go back and research a lot of the folklore behind a lot of the you know like the supernatural creatures, be it fae or you know whatever. And he incorporated that into the game instead of just kind of the run of the mill gaming lore. And so it's it's really cool. And of course, then they also set it in Vegas. Yeah, which makes it even more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Genesis Archives is one of my favorite urban fantasy RPG podcasts. Yeah, they're into, geez, I think their second campaign now, or maybe third. I'm not sure. I'm a little behind listening to them in all honesty, but it's good stuff. Yeah, it is good stuff. You know what's not good stuff? What's not good stuff? Well, it depends. What? Asparagus dipped in vanilla yogurt? No, that doesn't sound like good stuff. Um, Well, even less good stuff than that. It depends on who you are. I was working on, we'll just say, a Call of Cthulhu campaign. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here and I'm using Obsidian Notes, which, not sponsored, just want to put that out there. We're not sponsored by anybody. I'm just going to say Obsidian Notes is really cool. I think there's a lot of depth. I haven't even scratched the surface on that. But I'm sitting here using Obsidian Notes to make the notes up for this Call of Cthulhu game that I'm working on. And I genuinely gave myself the creeps. Like, I'm sitting here, I wrote what I wrote, I looked at what I wrote, and was like, could feel like the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Like, I was like, I gotta stop this line of thinking completely, because I don't like where it's putting my headspace at. (laughs) Hmm. I don't know that I've ever got there writing, but I mean, was it the content or was it just making your brain spin in directions you didn't want it to? A little column A and a little column B. I went back and reread what I had written on the page. And that's like, normally, I, like normally my brain, like I can write creepy stuff and it doesn't phase me. And I read what I had written and it didn't really phase me. So I don't know if it was, it was probably more of, I was taking, I was taking a and adding a B to it. And I was like, no, I can't, I don't want to go that way. You okay. know what I mean? Like I was auto completing where my next step was going to be. And I just realized that, nope, I don't want to go down that line of thinking. Cause that's not something I'm like wanting to deal with. And it wasn't like it was like. I don't know how to put it. It wasn't like it was uh, triggering anything for me. It was just more of like, like when you see something in a horror movie and you're like, nope, 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 nope. Because hmm. that's exactly how I felt. It was just more of a like a no and not not a like, oh, uh, that's triggering a trauma that I didn't re- remember having. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously this is, you know, literally, you know, 24 hours ago or whatever, but uh are you shelving the idea Um, or are you discarding it? I'm not discarding it. I'm not shelving it really. I've changed the, I've changed it slightly so that I don't, I don't know. I I didn't even know what to like. My immediate reaction was like, Nope, stop that. And I stopped and I walked away. And like I said, I looked at it again today and it didn't phase me. Like, I don't know if I was just, I don't know if it was just, uh, because I was working on it at this time of night, listening to what I was listening to. And it just got my head in a place that just like creeped myself out. That's almost what I'm leaning towards is that like, I had like 
dark and eerie music while writing this dark and eerie campaign setting. And I think I just got my head. I just disassociated too much and got my head into a place of basically watching a horror movie and creep myself out. Hmm. I, that's interesting. I mean, like it's almost like you over immersed yourself. Yeah. I think that's what happened. I think I got, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think I got over immersed in it and just my brain was because I was writing it. I was in the headspace of, I have to come up with like, if I say this, I have to come up with the next sentence that follows it. And mm. because I was auto completing that next sentence, I don't know how I ended up on the downward spiral of just, all right, darker, creepier, darker, creepier, darker, creepier. And I just got to this point where I was like, nope, I can't continue that mindset. Like I can't continue that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Now that's all me saying that. And I'm, I, a can't guarantee that this game is going to be going to be streamed in any way. Like you guys aren't probably aren't going to hear it. And B, if any of the players that end up playing in this game hear this episode, I don't want you thinking that I wrote the scariest thing in the world. It just was the thing that creeped me out. That doesn't mean it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's see, that's the other thing too. And you know, we touched on this some with the the horror discussions we had what's scary to one person isn't to another. And, you know, maybe it, like you said, especially you haven't gone back and looked at it a day removed. You know, I wonder if, if some of it wasn't just a confluence of, you know, be it imagery from the, you know, the music you were listening to, et cetera. And for lack of a better way to describe it, you know, a perfect storm. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Well, and what all started this was how I usually start with with any campaign idea. I'd consumed some media and went, ooh, that's a cool idea. And I messaged you with just the the like bare minimum of the idea of the game that I had. <laughs> I got a a resounding yes from you. I'm like, <laughs> well, all right, that's all okay. <laughs> Cause not that I didn't think you were going to say yes to playing a modern day Call of Cthulhu game, but I just wanted to run that idea past somebody and like make sure that I wasn't reaching for some stupid thing. <laughs> well, sometimes I get these ideas like I'll just it's our podcast. I don't care. It's going to be a tangent episode. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> sometimes I get these ideas and campaign ideas where I feel like I'm just like. I'm the only person that would be interested in playing this campaign idea. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, exactly. Um, see, I think that's where, and I feel like we've touched on this some, maybe a little bit in the, in the episode with, with Tom about running pre-written adventures where we were talking about, you know, if you borrow this from this, that from that. And, and sometimes we forget that, you know, as the GM, we're quite possibly the only person at the table who actually knows that this thing isn't original. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I, I sometimes trip myself up over that, like going, Oh, you know, well, yeah, but that's, that's too cliche. That's too whatever. And I, I wonder, you know, if you're the only one that's going to notice. Yes. Yes, exactly. You know, like, look, I've got a, a Delta green concept in my head that was originally spawned by the manifest TV show. Now, where it's kind of morphed to at this point, people might not even recognize that if I ever get it more than, you know, in my head. But, yeah, you know, it. at the same point, think of, you know, playing, you know, I don't know if you've watched that show at all. Kind of. I've seen like the first couple episodes. But it's a really trippy, it's playing with time discrepancies and all kinds of shit, you know? Yeah. And, and so like, that's weird ground to tread in an RPG anyway. And so it, to me, it's perfect for, you know, be it a call of Cthulhu or Delta green. So just to play it, so to speak, hitting the high points of the series would probably be an interesting game. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't know, is it, <laughs> you know, you talk about beg, borrow and steal, but at the same point, you know, I wonder, do, do we sometimes put more pressure on ourselves because we know we're borrowing it and everybody else at the table isn't really going to care anyway, even if they did know. Yeah. I, um, I'm definitely stealing an idea that I saw on the internet for this. 
maybe not blatantly, but like I'm, I'm definitely borrowing the idea and I do worry that people are going to be like, is it that? But at the same time, how do I put this? I highly doubt that any of the players that end up playing in this will have seen the source material for this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, then, I mean, go for it because I don't even want to tell you what the source material for the game is, because as soon as I tell you, somebody's going to go Google it and be like, Oh no, I've seen that. And credit, it's not going to be exactly that, but it's going to take some of your immersion away from it. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a thing where you want to tell people going in. Yeah. But I think at the end, once everything's pretty much wrapped up, because my plan is for this to be maybe a one, two shot, like three at the absolute most, mm-hmm. maybe a couple, couple hour sessions. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't plan for this to be a long running campaign. And when it's over, when it's over, I want to shout out the piece of media that I, <laughs> that inspired it because I think it's a freaking cool thing. Well, I mean, I, I think that's perfectly fine. Right. Cause like even, you know, last week when we were talking with Jay little, he said, you know, how many games, I mean, what do you say? He has like 3,500 RPGs in his collection. Some astronomical number, yeah. And and he said, you know, he does pay attention to a lot of little indie games. He said, because you will find that that nugget of mechanical brilliance. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't borrow that directly, if that inspires you to go somewhere similar, then, I mean, that's, that's what design and, and progress is built off of. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we didn't, start off with Ferraris, we started off with carts with roundish wooden or stone wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you have to, you have to have, I, I don't know what my brain, but yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from there. You know, I mean, at some point, a Ferrari started with, you know, Ugg the caveman rolling a rock down a hill. And I love Ugg. Ugg is the best character. <laughs> Also, I still want to play for my buddies. I still want to play the Applebee's Call of Cthulhu game <laughs> <laughs> where you, you have to foil like I want it to be a bunch of high school kids that don't know what they're doing. It's it's like all the emo kids got together and you have to stop them from summoning whether it be like it's not going to be Cthulhu, but it, it could be like, I don't even know. Um some elder elder beast yeah like i have to stop these idiots because they they literally don't understand what they're doing (laughs) i don't mean that to be rude to anybody but it's like i just have this image in my head of like these these characters these these npcs that are just like oh man i'm dark and brooding and it's like yeah dark and brooding you're gonna end a world uh it's all right with me like like I think about me when I was in like middle school and in my emo phase, <laughs> like if I had the ability to summon an elder beast, like hmm, that could be fun. <laughs> well, you know, talking about that, uh, I've had an idea kind of stuck in the back of my head for a fantasy game, which, you know, you know, I'm not the, that's not my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And so this was rolling around my head for quite a while. And then I'm not going to claim that they stole it because I don't think I'd told anybody about it, but then they stole it right out of my head. <laughs> well, then Matt Mercer did it in campaign two of critical role sort of. <laughs> so I'm like, well, if I do this, people are going to go, Oh, you got that idea from Matt Mercer. No, Matt Mercer got that idea from me. Thank you very much. <laughs> he stole it by osmosis, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, the concept was just that, you take a party and they're helping some sort of cleric priest paladin or whatever. And this character that, you know, this NPC believes that they're trying to, to bring about some sort of return of, of their God Mm -hmm. who, at least to their belief is, you know, a, a quote unquote, good God. Right. Mm -hmm. But what they're actually serving is a masquerading avatar of a trickster deity that's evil. Yeah. You know, and like, so at some point, 
there's a turn and, and it, if I could get it to work right, you know, the PCs actually help bring about this thing unknowingly because it's not what they think it is. Right. And then you have the turn it on its head of, oh, crap, what did we just do? <laughs> yeah. And OK, I doubt that that's even an original idea, you know, in the first place, but seems fun. Oh, yeah. It seems like a lot of fun. I um, I've always joked about running a Call of Cthulhu game where you play like the player characters don't realize that they're making all of the wrong decisions. Well, or uh, uh, you could play like a Pock Cthulhu or something where it's literally you just the player characters just don't realize that they're making like most of the time in Call of Cthulhu, you maybe as the maybe as the player in game don't know you're making the wrong decision, but the player character does, mm-hmm. or uh, vice versa. You as the player know you're making the wrong decision, but the player's character doesn't. Right. Whereas, like, I'm suggesting a game where both the player and the player character think they're doing all of the right moves to stop this thing, but they don't realize that they're actually summoning something else. Yeah. Or, you know, being a menace to society. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, put that, yeah. Like, I don't know. You know, how much stock do you really put into to being original? Or you just go, you know what? I'm trying to remember because I, I used to really read like a lot of guitar magazines and music stuff. And I remember somebody whose, whose musical philosophy was, if it sounds good, it is good. But I can't remember who it was that said that. Uh, I know I've heard that quote and I just, I'm with you there. I can't think. I think some of it, I'm of two mindsets and I know we haven't ever, like we've never successfully gotten our actual play off the ground, mm-hmm. but I'm of two mindsets. I think if you're going to put a product out there where say like our, say like we do an actual play, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're going to publish that it's going to go up. I think your idea has to be disguised well enough to not be immediately recognized but i think in your personal games where you're not doing that you can sort of get away with because people aren't gonna be like how do i put this i'm scared of our audience when they listen to our actual play because i don't want them to come after me and be like you ripped that idea off star wars and it's like well we're playing star wars (laughs) (laughs) of course i ripped the idea off of star wars we are playing star wars you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But it's, I like not saying that our audience would do that, but, you know. Well, it's that, that well, you know, like Jay mentioned it, but I've heard it mentioned a lot of times, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. It, well, somebody else can do it and do it better. Yeah. And to a certain point, yeah, that that's a real thing, I think, amongst many creatives. Not going right. to say all, but probably more than it isn't. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome. I've heard a lot of people more popular than us talk about imposter syndrome, which is <laughs> like, how do you, how are you going to go and have millions of listeners and you talk about being an imposter? Like, <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, yeah, cut to us over here. I'm like, hey, <laughs> hey, who are we? Oh, we're just two idiots, you know, sitting around the house on a microphone. In the past two months, we've talked to like Russ Morrissey, Ken Height. Uh, Chris Spivey, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The last couple of months have been crazy that way. Yeah, and it, like, you know, it's like at some point I'm I, I you know was sitting here going and I remember talking to you about it. Like, do we try to get this person? Do we that? And then at some point it dawned on me that like I'm going back and forth. Should I ask this? And it occurred to me that well, okay, let's say I do ask whoever, and they say no. At that point. I am right back where I was before I even when I was worrying about asking them, except I don't have the stress of what will they say? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a problem with it because it means we get to talk to cool people. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I never in my life thought I would get to sit down and talk to, to any of the people we've talked to in the last couple months. Like other than, I don't know, maybe like Hooli or, <laughs> Well, but no even offense that to Huli, was... but like, no offense to Huli, but like, it's, you know. No, but, but even then that was kind of like, oh, we're going to talk to Huli. He runs the forge. The <laughs> first time we did it. Yeah. And then the second time it's like, hey, Huli's back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
we had the what half an hour of extra stuff that we put up on the discord. Yeah. Uh Well, and I was shocked talking to Tom, how like we ended up with what's with those Australian guys in that extra time. (laughs) Like what's with that? I don't get it. Like y'all just want to talk or what? Like Ah. we always end up with outtakes. It was all good fun. Oh no, I, I jest, I jest, but (laughs) no, but um, yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder though, do we, as, as gamers in general, do we put too much pressure on ourselves to either be original or maybe even sometimes to try to emulate something specific? Yeah, I think that too. I think sometimes we, we try to, we try to be something like, I think sometimes, especially with licensed games, I get like this where it's like, oh man, I'm going to place like, I keep saying Star Wars, but like, yeah, kind of Star Wars or Dresden Files or, you know, anything that's licensed or anything that's got a really super dense, rich world to it. Like World of Darkness scares the crap out of me. And I've said that before because I don't want to screw it up for the World of Darkness fans. I don't want them coming after me and being like, hey, man, why did you tell them that vampires work like this when they really work like this? It's like, because mm, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't read this thing from, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, no, I get that. I, you know what? That actually is the core of one of the reasons I'm not the biggest D&D fan. Yeah, because you've said to me before about, you're like, I don't really know Forgotten Realms. Yeah, like. I've always kind of shied away from that because, you know, even when I first got into it, you know, I had all these friends that, you know, they'd read all the Dragonlance novels and the this and the that and the whatever. And I'm like, well, I don't know. The idea of Dragonlance sounds cool, but that's all I know about it. Yeah. And, you know, at some point in my head, it becomes, if, even if I make my own world, I'm competing against these people's memories of you know, Dragonlance or the realms or or whatever. And so that may be to a certain point why I've gravitated more towards, what do you want to say, more niche games or less popular games, just because in my head, it's less likely that the people I'm playing with are going to have a massive headcanon that's related to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I sort of, you know this because you played in my Eberron campaign. Granted, I rushed the ending on that. I will admit that I rushed the ending on that. But I like to take a setting and just throw out everything you know about that setting. And I like to go, I'm keeping this, I'm throwing this out. And if you don't like it, too bad. Because of that exact reason. I don't want to be critiqued on like, especially in D&D. Okay, D&D is one of those things where I don't want to be critiqued on, well, you're not playing this like the book says. Well, that's because I'm not playing by the book. Like I use the book for reference, but I'm not, that's not my end all be all. Yeah. For me, it's not like, I'm not being rude, but for me, it's like, I'd much rather just throw that book out the window because there's too many people that know that setting already. I want to subvert your expectations. I don't want you thinking that, oh, well, you know, Steve's going to run say I were to run like Dragon Lance or let's say I were to run like Castle Ravenloft or any of the pre-written D&D adventures, I don't want you thinking that, oh, because I'm going to do that, it's, you know, it's going to be like straight out of the book, which we just talked to Tom about that, right? That was yeah. like, you know, that was his whole point is like, go ahead, put your twist on it, put your spin on it, take it and, you know, throw what you don't want out and, you know, make it yours. And I think that's the thing that gets lost, especially in D&D, is that a lot of people just don't realize that, take it, throw it out the window. If you don't like what the book says, you don't have to follow what the book says. Yeah. You know, rule number one. <laughs> and and that's not, let me put it this way. That applies to setting, and that applies to rules, rulings on the fly, in my opinion. Now, if you're actually making a rules ruling and you're taking the time to look it up in the book, what I'm going to say is, I don't think you can just throw out the rules to the game completely and make up your own rules, because then you're not playing that game anymore. You know what I mean? Yes. Go on. I have thoughts, but finish your line. If we were to play D&D, and I were to throw out everything 
in fifth edition that I don't like. Well, then we're not really playing fifth edition because there's a lot of things in fifth edition I don't care for, mm-hmm. or I don't like how this works, or like there's a difference between homebrewed rules and just completely throwing a baby out with bathwater and basically going, I'll make my own rules. Yeah. Well, I think the the line there is that it doesn't so much matter what the rules are so long as you apply them fairly. I can see that. I don't know. I just, yeah. Again, I think that goes back to rulings on the fly versus actually stopping to do a research on a ruling. And this is why, and I don't mean to be like, this is why I've gotten away from rules heavy games because I get tired of the like bit of argument that comes from, oh, well, I did this and the book says this and you said that it's like, no, I understand what the book says. I'm saying that it works like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think this is where the core, at least as I understand it to some, you know, because I'm not deep into the scene, but this is where the, the core of the OSR scene is the old school revival or old school Renaissance or whatever you want to call it. And a lot of these games are really tweaked retro clones of be it old D and D or, or whatever. But I think the, the thought behind it is much more of, okay, let's keep some basic resolution mechanics, but let's not worry about there being a rule for every situation. And let's, let's just do what feels right for the table at the moment. And in my head, that's much more in the spirit of RPGs than, you know, playing strictly by the book. Now, you know, you can say that maybe it isn't because in, you know, the origins of D&D in particular, you know, its origins go back to miniatures wargaming, where, yes, you have rules. And not having ever really played them, I, I'm only speaking from my understanding of them, but that's an important thing there because in many cases they were designed to, so to speak, let you reenact actual historical battles like some of your scenarios may have been a setup that is believed you know or or depending on the game maybe if it's a it's a more modern game maybe it's it's setting up a recreation of like a world war one battle or something well in that case yes you need to have rules for situations because at that point it's it's a game between the players as opposed to crafting a story and i think that's the difference so what i'll say is that I've been running my AD&D game for a while now, and what I realized with AD&D is that, how do I want to put this? So a lot of the design philosophy was DM versus players. There was a lot of, even back when the game was popular, there were even tournaments run to see, you know, it was DM versus players. That's how the game was built. And that does go back to that miniatures wargaming thing. But... One thing I will say is that in AD&D especially, so Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, like you said, there isn't a rule for everything. There's a lot of stats and there's a lot of implied rules for things, but there isn't necessarily a rule for every single scenario like there is in 5th edition. And I think that's why I felt going back to it that it was an... I don't mean this to offend anyone who likes 5th edition. If you like 5th edition, great. I'm glad you like that game. But for me, I feel like AD&D is a better role-playing game because it lets you role-play. 5th edition really handholds you in a lot of cases, a lot of cases. Whereas like AD&D lets you interpret the data that that's presented in front of you. You know, you make a check, it doesn't have a defined like none of the checks are going to be like a defined Oh, well, I'm making a investigation check. Okay, you're investigating the thing. Roll, you know, roll a, a whatever into wisdom. I can't remember what that would be. I think it's intelligence. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I think in AD&D, that's great because it lets the players think about things and explore that side of the brain that doesn't get exercised in 5th edition. I think it lets the players think about what they're doing less what they're doing as as listed on their character sheet you know what i'm saying does that yeah. make any sense no no it yeah you're not think you're thinking about what you're doing 
in character, not the check you have to make as a player. Right. You're you're just telling the DM what you're doing, and then the DM's going, okay, make this check. And you're not looking at your character sheet, because I find myself doing this all the time. Look at my character sheet and go, oh, uh, what check would this be? Uh, and I'll say that to the GM, and they'll be like, oh, well, it's going to be this check. Okay, well then, for myself, I should have not done that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think the game facilitates that over actually not i don't want to say thinking for yourself but it facilitates the gm making more decisions over you making the decision of what check to make well okay so to take this kind of line of thought in a slightly different direction i wonder how much of that is a game being marketed towards a mass audience yeah i can see that i can see where they're trying to take the they're trying to take some of the um, difficulty out of it. Well, and I think, too, if especially when you get into the, the organized play stuff, what do they call it, Adventurer's League or whatever? Yeah, whatever it's called with 5th edition at this point. And in that, the theory is, is that you can have a character and you play at you know, your local game store. And then let's say uh, you go on vacation, but you still want to play D&D. So you could find a game at a local game store, wherever it is you're at, and take your character and play them there. And so for that, yeah, you do need to have some rule standardization. But I think if you're just playing with your friends at your table, as long as y'all are good with whatever you're doing, who cares what it says relative to the book? Yeah, I think that's fair too. I just, I wonder how much, and to go back, I wonder how much you can throw out before it just goes to why aren't you just playing a different like we've had this discussion a lot of why aren't you just playing a different game how much it's the theseus's ship you know how much of the ship can be replaced before it's no longer the same ship you know at what point does D become not D anymore okay but let me throw this back at you does it matter it doesn't no i if you're having fun you're playing the game the right way that's all there is to it mm-hmm. but it's just a it's a for me, it's a thought process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thought to go down because I found myself trending. I, I should say, I found my interest trending more into kind of more kind of OSR style games lately. Where, yeah, there isn't a rule for this. It's got a simple resolution mechanic, you know. But they're also most of those games are designed with a very specific setting in mind, or are what do you want to say the game is designed with a very specific focus where when you have D&D or any of the bigger mass produced games we'll call it you know they're they're going here's a set of tools here's a couple of playgrounds go have fun where you know if you get into you know some of these you know we'll say I, one that I bought that you mentioned a game of the week is Yar which is a very rules light pirate game but it's very specifically a pirate game. Like, I don't think I'd take Yar and go play Space Pirates with it. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, yeah, it doesn't have rules for all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, but it's it's like you said, it, it's that, okay, here's a basic framework to tell your story around, and if we don't have something for it, just figure it out. And I think if you're viewing a, playing a role-playing game as an interactive story, that's a really fun thing to do, but it also requires buy-in. You know, you, you've got to have people you're playing with that are also down with that. Well, we don't have necessarily a rule for this, but we'll figure it out. You know, and some people that doesn't work in their thinking, right? Like sometimes, and I, I'm sure I'm that way with, with certain things, but like, how do you want to say, like, I remember when I was a kid, you know, be it just from like, say you're watching my, my mom cook, right. She'd be following a recipe and you put in this much of this and that much of that and blah, 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 blah. And then like the one I remember was, I think the frugal gourmet on PBS and the guys, and you put in about this much of this and dumps a handful of whatever it is in there, whatever. And I'm going, I thought you had to cook with a recipe. You know what I mean? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? 
Oh, yeah. And I think the same thing can apply to RPGs. You know, you can have fun with a very structured rule system, or you can have fun with a very loose, open rule system. It's just a matter of everybody being willing to to agree on how you're doing it. That's fair. Um, so I've been thinking, mm-hmm. and I think we need to take a break. We do? Well, I think we need to talk about taking a break. Uh-huh. Um, oh, not from the podcast. Oh, okay. But like in, in gaming in general. Okay. Well, here I thought I was going to get a chance to catch up on all my reading. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> so what do you mean, Steve? I mean, when is it appropriate to just go, all right, folks at the table, I need time away from this game and to take a, a break, to take some time away from whatever you're playing to get yourself back into the mindset of playing the thing that you were playing or how do you facilitate that? Or what does that look like? Or any of the conversation that needs to happen surrounding the idea of taking a break from a game, because I want to normalize the idea of taking a break from a game. I mean, I think it's, it's certainly a healthy thing to do at times, depending on what it is and and the mindset of people at the table. I think it's, it's also one of those things where it's a little bit taboo. Yeah. Yeah. It is in some ways. And I think some of that is if you have a person or several people who are, let's just say, more intense about it than others, you know, they 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 don't want to take a break. That's what they set aside their, you know, Thursday night for. And now you're going to take that away from them? You know, I I know I can fall into that mentality at times. Yeah, I've, I've been there and I've been on both sides of it because we've talked about it a lot. I just talked about it a little bit ago, my Eberron campaign. I did take a break from it because I was experiencing genuine burnout. Like I, I couldn't, sometimes the idea is strong when you start, but by the time you get to the middle of the game, the idea that you started with or where you want the game to go can get muddied and... I think as the GM, that's your responsibility to go. Either you roll with it and you can absolutely roll with it. If you just want to go, well, the idea I had is muddied and I don't know, I guess I'm going to come up with something new and that's fine. But I think the more appropriate answer is to go, let's take however much time you need off. Sometimes it's just a week. Sometimes you just need like, "Ah, I can't play this week, guys. I just can't think I've been Mm -hmm. there. I got life stuff going on that I was telling you about before the show that if I was running a game tonight, not sitting and just yapping with you, I would absolutely be like, I am not playing tonight. Mm-hmm. But because it's just us sitting down and having a conversation, it's a little bit different. I don't have to like the mental power isn't isn't as necessary, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's wrong if you ever if you're ever running a campaign and you got life going on or you just like I said, you just can't get your head in the space. You got too much like I get it. Other stuff is always going on around you. And like for me, especially, I know what it's like when it's like, man, I got way too much life happening for me to even think about this game right now. Mm -hmm. I've been there on a player side, too, where it's like, can we just not do this? Because I can't. I can't even begin to like wrap my brain around what's happening or I'll show up and be like, I got to go. Like I can't stick around because I can't. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, is, you know, you have to, you have to be honest with yourself and you also have to, you know, listen to your friends. You know, if your friend's telling you that, Hey, I'm having a, a, you know, whatever. And, I just can't do this this week. Does that mean, you know, well, one, you respect that, right? Right. I think that's the biggest thing with taking a break is respect. You know, also, does that mean maybe you bust out a board game that week or maybe you play a silly one shot or, you know, I. And it was this time, it was this time, what, last year, year before that we played your Home Alone one shot? Because this time every year I have. It seems like this time every year I have life stuff come up. <laughs> um, and okay, th- that kind of circles around all of this because I didn't try to hide what that was at all, really. No. 
Um, I bent all kinds of rules running that game. But I think a lot of the people at the table hadn't caught on to what it was, really. But no, I, I think it's it's okay to go, I gotta stop. I gotta take a break. I gotta walk away from this. I gotta, sometimes it's not even a full, like, that's the other thing that I'm trying to sort of get across is that sometimes it's not even a full break. Sometimes it's just a, I, I, I just can't think about this right now. And can we do something else? You know, I don't know that we'd push ourselves to this range because it is a little different. But like Jay mentioned this last week, when he was designing, I believe it was the Star Wars game, he pushed himself to the point where he had a heart attack that left him in the hospital for like a month or several months. Yeah. You know, now that's obviously a, a somewhat of a different level because, yes, that was his job. But at the same point, I know a lot of us in this hobby can be very obsessive over it. It's the same concept. It's the work-life balance. Yeah. You know, and and maybe, you know, we just do need to be more conscious of, how do I want having more, more than one kind of fun in our lives. Yeah. Or if, if the only kind of fun you have is playing RPGs, maybe, you know, if you find yourself in a rut and you're like, man, I'm, I'm burnt out either take a different role in the game that you're playing. Cause I find this for myself. I get very discouraged when I end up DMing for a long time. If I'm, if I'm a GM for a long time, I get like, man, I want to, I just want to be a player for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I get like to this point where I'll just look at somebody and go, do you want to run a couple sessions while I'm a player? Because I don't want to GM anymore. Like I'm just tired of, and I think sometimes that can give you a nice break from from what you were doing. If you're a forever GM, find, you know, I don't mean to tell you what to do, but maybe find another group that you can play with and, and play as a player with them if, if you enjoy being a player. If you don't enjoy being a player and you really need a break, then that's when you need to have the conversation with your party of, I need a break. And, mm-hmm. and we've talked about it in the past. We talked with... Um, was it GM Eric way back in the day? Yeah, it's been, gosh, it's been like a year, uh, more than a year. And GM Eric talked about taking a break mid-session and getting up from the table and just walking away for a minute, you know, mm-hmm. taking a drink and, and getting your head straight. And yeah, it's the same idea. It's that don't be afraid to take a break. Uh, sometimes the game sometimes you lose the plot and what that means for you and what that means for the game at that point. Well, that's a conversation you have to have with yourself and the table. And Mm -hmm. you sort of got to go, I don't think I want to, you know, if if the conclusion that you came to yourself is, I don't think I want to run this anymore. Go to your table and go, I'm sorry. I know it's not going to be the ending that you expected, but I don't think I have the, want to keep playing this right now and most reasonable tables will be like oh okay sorry but yeah that's fine well i think it's part of what we're we're saying here is even if you are the forever gm but regardless you know it's supposed to be fun for you too yeah and if it's not then you need to figure out why and maybe that just means you need to a break for a week or a month or, or whatever. And Hey, you know, there are people too, who have just said, you know what? I've had enough. I just don't want to do it anymore. And as players, you need to respect that. You know, yes, it's disappointing if you don't get to finish the story, but the rest of the table are people too. Well, and, and maybe you can speak to us better than I can. That's sort of what happened with your cyberpunk 2020 game back in the day. COVID happened, we took a long break, and it was sort of a, I don't know that I want to continue on with this. Yeah, that was a lot of things. Some of it was the extended break due to COVID. I also, I didn't feel like I was running the game that I wanted y'all to play. I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, no, it does. And, and yeah, and that's another valid reason to take a break or to even stop a game is to go, all right, this isn't, this is okay. I think you got to go and, and say to the players, 
if you're having fun with it, that's great. But this isn't the game that I wanted to run. Mm -hmm. Well, that game in specific, and, and you can tell me some from the other side of the table, we seemed to always have fun when we played, but I didn't feel like I was getting a lot of engagement from most of the people playing. Does that make sense? Yes, but that's also because... Well, there was also that the group blew up after the first session and some other, you know, but... I, I think part of that is is that some of that group didn't know what that game was, and part of that is, is that some of that group couldn't get their head wrapped around core concepts of that game, and you got a ton of engagement out of me because I was trying to force them to engage. Yeah. Hey, we had fun bits, but... Oh, yeah, we had fun playing, but it was like... It was it was the Bambi thing of everybody's played with a new player at some point where they're like, I don't I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what I can do. What's my options? What how can I do this? What um well, what about this? Well, can I do this? I don't know. And some people just clam up and don't even ask those questions. Some people will just be like, uh Well, we had a person at the table too who was one of those very optimal players, let's shall we call them. Yeah, and that and was it, just how their brain worked, and them being in a new system that was very jarring for them. Yeah, yeah, and we also had players at the table who hadn't really played even D anD D that long when they started playing that mm -hmm. game, so they mm -hmm. didn't have the core concepts of role playing. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of the, I think a lot of that is, like I said, it's sort of that Bambi on ice thing. You know, it's the I don't, I don't know. I don't have my legs underneath of me. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what my options are. What, what can I do here? Uh, can I, should I, um, and sometimes people aren't vocal enough to get, even get those questions. Out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what sort of happened with that game and why you felt that there wasn't as much engagement. I think everybody at the table will tell you they had a good time playing that game. Mm -hmm. But the reason you felt there wasn't that engagement was because I think, 90% of the table and then there's me <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not speaking for everybody there, but I know that I, I know that that's a lot of what I was picking up on at the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, hey, I mean, it is what it is, right? It, you know, and, and the long break also made for just a good point to say, Hey, you know what? Let's not try and go back and, and, and catch it. Let's just do something else. Yeah. Well, sometimes you're sometimes you can try and chase a game that's just too far gone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like picking up where you left off is like, uh, where were we even? Yeah. And then that also brings me to a point. I think a lot of people run campaigns too long. And this is my personal opinion, but of the long running campaigns I played in, I think some people, well, I wouldn't say long running, but like mid length or longer campaigns that I've played in. I think sometimes people overestimate how long a game will take to play and they reach a point which could be a logical conclusion. And then the sometimes the GM sort of gets like, no, I said we were going to play for 10 sessions, but OK, but we've reached a we've reached a good stopping point here. Why can't we stop here? No, we got we got like 15 more sessions to go. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And. And that's not me discouraging anybody. That's just me saying that sometimes you have to go and say to yourself, maybe, maybe, you know, are they good stopping here? Or ask the question at the table of like, do you wish to continue on? Or are you good with this being our stopping point? And maybe even ending it, ending it somewhere that you didn't expect to end the campaign. Well, and the other thing too is, you know, you can take a campaign and take a break from it. Like what we did in, in our Genesis game that we were playing, we hit a point that felt like a very good story break point. And we all kind of looked at each other and said, okay, let's play something else for a while. We're not necessarily done with this campaign, but we're done with it for now. Right. And so we switched GMs, we switched everything up and we're doing something else for a while. And I don't think, any of us have any desire to permanently leave that other game. It's just, it's time for, you know, Something a different new. flavor of popcorn. Well, and I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be lying if I said I would be, I, how do I put this? I would be lying if I said I, I would be 
absolutely devastated if we never went back because not that I think that we don't ever need to go back and not that I hated that or whatever. I'm just saying that if it were to come out and we were to never go back to that campaign setting, I feel we stopped at a very good spot. There's a lot of loose ends, but I just leave those loose ends up to, you know, well, that lives on in your imagination. Well, sometimes series just end and that's how they end. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes a show just doesn't have a satisfying ending. The Sopranos doesn't have a satisfying ending. A spoiler for a show that's like I don't know, 20 years old at this point. But, <laughs> you know, it's sometimes the ending that you want and the ending that you get are two very different things. And we talked about Critical Role a little bit ago. Well, let's talk about the ending of campaign one, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the ending that you wanted and the ending that you got are two very different things. And the, the definitive final ending is, you know, bittersweet as we'll say. Mm-hmm. And for those of you wondering, I consider the final ending is the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> That's the final ending of campaign one. That is the last thing that has been released of campaign one. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's a bitter, that was a bittersweet, very, you know, it, it made you feel emotions, but that was the ending, you know, and whether you liked it or not, that's how it goes. And sometimes you just have that where the ending is satisfying, but not satisfying, but not a happy ending. Yeah. And, you know, you see that in horror games a lot of, well, that was a satisfying ending, but everybody's died and Bob's insane and you know, well, you know, those that played it, it know it. I don't know how much I actually ever filled you in, but when I ran the Delta green one shot, we basically ended it on a crit fumble on an automatic weapons fire roll while they were dumping gasoline on things. Hmm. And a bunch of a couple of couple people were already down. A couple people were really injured. And I'm like, okay, we got a crit fumble firing an automatic weapon with a lot of gasoline vapors. We're just going to make an assumption. And so basically I just narrated it as there's a spark and a flash and that's it. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> you know, I know it, you were a little disappointed in how our team tackled that same campaign setting, but mm-hmm. I thought it was funny. Well, we yeah, had it worked. It worked cuz we all had the mindset of like oh, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> Yeah. And, and yeah, it was also, you know, we wanted to finish up with that session and to go beyond that would have required a whole nother session. So yeah. And the whole nother session would have just been, I don't know, kind of pointless and maybe just combat depending on what would have happened with another session. But at the same time, I like the thematic idea of in Delta green, you are a government agency. Well, they sent in a bunch of investigators to find a thing. We found the thing. Here you go. And now we're going to go. Next time, don't send just investigators, which not faulting you. It's not your fault that that's what we all made, but sort of just worked out that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, it was it was a good time to stop. So yeah. we did. And, and that's the thing that trying to get across with this taking a break stuff is it was a good time to stop. So, you know, sometimes you just got to make the decision to take a break and it's okay to take a break. Yeah. You're, you can't please everybody all the time. You, you just can't. Yep. All right. So shall we take a break from talking about take a break and whatever else to maybe give some people some ideas to things to take a break with? Well, I'd have to find one of those things because I don't have, well, I get, I got a game. I got a game, but it's going to be impossible to find. So I got another game that I got to find real quick. <laughs> oh, yes. We're, we're not going to talk about that one just yet. <laughs> I want to talk about that one, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah, at some point, I'm sure we can, or maybe tonight. Anyway, let's yeah. do Game of the Week. Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week. Game of the Week. All right, you go first, because I got to find a game. <laughs> All right, well... My game of the week this week is going to be one. Okay, let's be honest here. I have been rather interested, even before we talked to Jay a little last week, up in the 2D20 system for Modiphius. But here's kind of my problem. As I make no secret, I'm not the biggest fantasy fan. So 
Conan is, eh, and I know that's also based on the novels, not the film. Right. So I, I don't really know what that well in the first place. So, okay, I'd play it, but don't really have a whole lot of interest in it to buy it to potentially run it. I've watched maybe two episodes of any Star Trek in my life. So Star Trek, okay, again, I'd play it, but not really my thing. Fallout, okay, I love post-apocalyptic stuff. Yeah, but you don't have any of the reference because you probably never played any of the Fallout games. I have played exactly zero minutes of any Fallout game in my life. So I keep going, you know, Dune is another one that, okay, kind of interesting on the surface, but... You don't have the reference because... I haven't watched the new movie. I have never watched the old movie. I tried to read one of the books once, and that kind of bored me in the short time I tried to read it. Yeah, yeah. So I started looking, and that's when I realized that there is a 2D20 game that combines a couple things that I really do like. Now, again, we all know that I like Call of Cthulhu horror games, and some of you might know that I'm also... I won't call myself a World War II history nerd or history buff, but I'm fascinated by that era of history. A lot of time I watch tons of documentaries and that kind of stuff. So there is a game from Modiphius, and they actually just recently released it in 2D20. It is called Achtung Cthulhu. <laughs> and it is Pulp Cthulhu set in and around the World War II era. You know, fighting all the you know, the weird occult machinations of the Nazis and all that kind of stuff. You know, it just, for lack of a better way to say it, it ticks some boxes, man. Yeah, no, I, I'm not shocked at all to hear you suggest that while simultaneously very proud of you because I would never try to pronounce that name. Because <laughs> I've thought about bringing it up a couple times and then I've been like, no. Well, I mean, it is what it is, right? They've actually had it out for quite a while. I believe they ran it for a number of years as a Savage World setting. Yeah. Uh, and then they just recently converted it to their 2D20 system, which I'm even more curious about since we talked to Jay last week. And there's there's actually a quick start, which is free, which I downloaded this afternoon. Uh, didn't get to read it yet, of course, because, you know, life things. But there's that. And then the uh, the core set, there's two volumes. They're 20 bucks a piece to download the PDFs from drive through. There's a player's guide. There's a GM's guide, obviously, depending on which side of the table you are, which one you would need. Although probably as the GM, you'd want both. But in any case, like I said, they're 20 bucks a piece. And that's uh Achtung Cthulhu from Modiphius, which is a, you know, pulp, probably late 1930s, 1940s call of Cthulhu. Well, I have a game. Okay. Um, how do you feel about Victorian London? Oh, uh, any strong opinions? Not terribly, although it could be entertaining. Uh, and I know you like Delta Green. Yes. Where you're, you know, investigating and suppressing and trying to neutralize, you know, monstrous threats, terrorizing in a, a time period. Uh-huh. What about a, a Victorian London game where your goal is to investigate, neutralize monstrous threats, terrorizing the city? That could be very fun. It's a game called The Between. Okay. From The Gauntlet. Uh, it's $15 for the PDF. For that $15, you get the rule book, reference sheet, a mastermind sheet. Looks like a campaign setting, playbooks, which are like characters, essentially, and threats. The pitch is The Between is a tabletop role-playing game about a group of mysterious monster hunters in Victorian-era London. They are residents of a place called the Hargrave House, and their job is to investigate neutralized monstrous beings terrorizing the cities. Threats that Scotland Yard won't or can't handle themselves. I read this and go, this is basically Delta Green set in Victorian London. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, no, this this does look kind of neat. Yeah, it's it's kind of a cool thing. Um, like I said, 15 bucks for PDF. It's very reasonably priced. PBTA? Yeah, PBTA. It's something I can get behind. Yeah, it's got some kind of, and I even mentioned it as inspiration, but, you know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, kind of like a supernatural Sherlock Holmesy. although I don't see any references directly to Holmes, but still. Penny Dreadful 
is the big one that they me- reference that I don't know if you've watched Penny Dreadful. I have not. I think you would like that show. Okay. I think you would like Penny Dreadful because I know you like it's it's kind of horror. It's very dark Victorian um, sort of has almost what's that? My brain is blanking. What is that series that we both like that's got the like um, Civil War mixed with like martial arts? What is that called? Oh, um, 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 Into the Badlands. Yes. It's sort of Into the Badlands-ish, but more like it, it would be like the same ideas Into the Badlands, but more of like a horror twist mm-hmm. uh, in Victorian London. So that's cool. I think you might want to check that out. Yeah, that does sound cool. But the between they list that as one of their one of their main inspirations. So that's cool. Yes, very much so. So can we talk about the thing the that thing? we're trying to we're trying to hunt down? <laughs> sure, we can take a couple minutes on this. I found a game. Where where did you find this game, Steve? So I found it on TikTok. Um, there's a TikTok creator. His name. Uh, and I just read his name, Lehman Kessler. And Lehman Kessler on TikTok is sometimes, you know, he's he's sometimes referred to Mayor Lovecraft. He is a mayor of a city in Ohio. He recently talked about a game called Cold City. And I immediately went on the hunt. Well, you sent me the TikTok. Well, yes, I sent you the TikTok, and then... We both went on the hunt. We both went on the hunt. <laughs> and I'm usually pretty good at finding things online. But I figured this isn't an old game. Like, it's 2006, 2010-ish. Yeah, and we're not we're not looking to do anything illegal. We're just looking to find the game to either purchase it or play it. Mm-hmm. And it appears that the game has been completely pulled from every venue possible. Mm-hmm. I found links for it in various places. Uh, there actually are two copies on eBay, although they're both in Europe. And while I'm extremely curious about this game, I'm not paying $100 for a 130-ish page rule book because I'm curious. Right. An indie press revolution had it at one point, and it was $10 for the PDF, but you cannot purchase it. <laughs> yep. drive through um, shows evidence of having it. At one point, and it no longer exists. Um, so if anyone out there knows where we can find... A copy. <laughs> yes. You know, at, at a reasonable price, or, or can, you know, legitimately purchase a PDF. Or wishes to lend us a copy. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm putting y'all on the mission because I want to play this game or at least <laughs> read it. Like, yeah, it's called Cold City. Yeah, um, we have a few leads. We might be finding some more information about that shortly. But uh, yeah, I want to put. Uh, we have an audience, and so anybody who listens to this regularly, I want to put y'all out on the out on the hunt because you're better at it than I am sometimes. <laughs> And with that, if you do find a copy of it and you want to contact us, our email is always in the show notes. You can come over to our Discord and yell at us about it. You can go on our Facebook and yell at us about it. You can tweet at us about it. You can file a complaint with Steve at the complaints department via our email. I think that's most of it. Oh, and you can you can come over to my comment section on my TikToks and ask me if I found my chickens yet. Um, (laughs) which can confirm still have not found my chickens. And as always, all of those links are in our show notes. And with that, we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another.
for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. See, as soon as I would open Chrome or like Chrome or Steam, it would like freaked out. I opened Chrome to bring up drive through when I was talking to you a little bit ago. And that's why I had to do a full restart of my computer because it went. Yeah, there is apparently some sort of glitch in Windows 10 that does this. Yeah. There's your outtake for the episode, by the way. <laughs> just, uh, just be sick. <laughs> I'll put a loop on it and make it go for about 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Except oh. the TikTok. You haven't sent me that one yet. Oh, yeah. Give me like two seconds. <laughs> I say this all the time, but no, legitimately. Give me like two seconds. Oh. Uh. Do, 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 Make it up music that's not copyrighted. Do, 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 do. And boop. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can add that to the show notes now. Yep.